walks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. Welcome back to the Run TMC podcast. Usually Duffy says this part, but it's your friend Dave. This is episode two of the week of interviews, a New Year's gift for our guests. But first... What time is it? Oh, Duffy, I believe it's sponsor time, according to my watch. Uh, You and I are keeping the same time today, Dave. I love it. All right. I'm going to jump in with Karen Horsmeyer, and here is a a little preview. She is one of our interviews that we're going to be releasing. So thank you, Karen, for a great interview, but also for being a great sponsor. So here we go. You've probably heard this before, Dave. Just like Karen's coached athletes to victory, she's here to coach you to a successful real estate sale. Ready to sell your home or know someone who is? Karen brings the same expertise, strategy, and commitment to every real estate transaction as your trusted real estate advisor. She'll create a winning game plan for you for purchasing and or selling your home. Call Karen today at 415-794-4311. That is 415-794-4311, exclamation point. Duffy, beautifully read. Uh, Our next sponsor, North Bay Basketball Academy, our friends at NBBA. NBBA. NBBA provides quality instruction in all aspects of basketball with an emphasis on fundamentals and skill development. Head over to www.northbaybasketball.com for more information on upcoming camps, skill sessions, team opportunities, travel opportunities. Uh, NBBA does a great job. Thank you for being a sponsor, North Bay Basketball Academy. Thank you, NBBA. And the Bambauer tournament, as we know, Dave, was initially started by Rick Winter, who also founded NBBA. Correct. Good job, Rick. All right. We're moving on to the hub. By the time these interviews come out, Dave, it will be a little bit too late to go see Haley Ballard at the hub, but they have other people who can do that job and serve you grass-fed burgers, hand-cut fries, and shakes. They can pour you a field work. Uh, you can sit there. There's going to be great company. There's almost always someone in there is watching a game or talking about a game. It's just a hub in San Anselmo. So if you haven't been, check it out. If you have been, come on back. And uh, we love the hub. Thank you, hub. And uh, stay true to us, hub. Beautiful. Thank you, hub. Thank you, Haley Boward. And finally, last but not least, Jesse and Laurent. Uh, Jesse and Laurent is a gourmet ready-to-eat meal delivery service facilitating family meals throughout the Bay Area, Sacramento, and North Tahoe region. Been feeding families for more than 40 years with their delicious and healthy heat and serve meals. You simply heat and serve the pre-made meals delivered right to your doorstep. Don't forget the special Run TMC listener code. Enter TMC20, no space, for $20 off your first order. Thank you, Jesse and Laurent. So the 20 in TMC20 signifies $20 off. Is that right, Dave? That is correct. Okay, got it. That is correct. Great. Well, uh, we're going to get on with this. But first, we want to remind our listeners to check out our website at theruntmcpodcast.com to email us at theruntmcpodcast at gmail.com. We are still looking for correspondence. Uh, We will soon 
be putting out a big sponsor drive. So if you're interested, reach out to us, check out Dave on Insta, a lot of good contact uh, content there and uh, keep listening. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. So we're going to roll into interviews. Uh, there'll be really brief intros and then we'll get into it. And then interspliced, as I said before, Dave, we'll have a few sounds from the Bambauer tournament, including friends of the pod, Mike Saya and Daryl Rory. Thanks, everyone. All right, I'm here at Marin Conflict uh, with two former CYO players that I coached uh, last year, uh, Oliver Myers and Chase Hatch. They're now playing varsity for the MC team. They got a good win last night. And we are here with the Bambauer tournament. And just give us a quick take on the Bambauer. Um, it's really good seeing like all 16 teams come out and play competitive, good basketball. Um, yeah, it's a great tournament. Um, I'm kind of going to echo that. Uh, it's really good seeing really good competitive basketball, close games, good games. Um, and it's kind of fun to be out here a couple days after Christmas just playing ball. All right. Yeah. Next question, bonus question. Compare and contrast Coach Scott Tachiki and Coach Mike Saya. <laughs> oh, um, both very smart coaches uh, take the game into uh, very high detail. Um, that's what I like about both of them. Very good answer. Compare and contrast Coach Tom Poser and Coach Mike Saya. Oh, I'm just kind of say almost echo all again. Uh, very good coaches, smart coaches, know the game of basketball a lot. <laughs> there he went. Coach walked by. Um, I, they bring different aspects to the game. I think Sai is a really good coach for practices in game, and Tom's really good technique and just basketball smartness. Great, love it. Thank you, guys, and good luck tonight. Thank you. Okay, well, we're excited to get on to our next interview in our week of interviews. We have a very special guest here, Karen Horstmeyer, legendary Marin basketball player, the pride of Redwood and Santa Clara, um, also a sponsor of our podcast, obviously, but we really enjoyed having this conversation with Karen. I thought it was a great interview. Duff, what do you think? How did you know that she was a sponsor of the podcast, Dave? Is it because we've been reading her copy? Episode after I think episode. it's because you're so eloquent when you read that copy, Duff. You're welcome. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, meeting uh, meeting Coach Horsmeyer uh, at her office in Bonaire. It was a great great interview, good time. We even got around to you know drawing up one of her favorite plays at the end of the interview. That was a good culmination of our time together. And uh, Dave, I also just want to mention, like in her bio, that her goal, uh, her stated goal, was to go play tennis at UCLA. And then she went to Redwood as a ninth grader. She'd never played basketball before, before she got hooked on it, and the rest is history. So parents, kids out there, it's never too late to pick up the sport of basketball. Uh, don't focus too early. See if the sport's for you. Try it out. It's the best in the world, as we know, Dave. Absolutely. Enjoy the interview. I'm Karen. Nice to see you. Great to see you guys. Thanks are, for having me. We're thrilled uh, to be here. So. We're joined by Karen Horstmeyer, maiden name Karen Chapellis, uh, legend from Redwood. Duff, we've used the word legend a lot in this podcast. In this case, it is truly apt. Um, I knew of you, Karen, when I was a kid. Um, one of the greatest players, men or women, to ever play in Marin. Amazing career as a coach. So let me go through your, your background here for our listeners. Karen went to Redwood from 1976 to 1980. 
was All Everything at Redwood. We're going to talk about her time at Redwood. She went on to play Division I basketball at Santa Clara. She set numerous records. She's in the Santa Clara Hall of Fame. 32 points in a single game. Uh, Not bad. Versus UOP, I think it was. That, that counts. We, we love UOP. Uh, scored just under 1,500 career points. Played in 107 games. Just a, a, a legend for the Broncos. She then went on to play pro basketball in Greece for two years, where she led the league in scoring and was team MVP both years. Uh, she then came back stateside and was an assistant coach. So you were at Santa Clara for a year, right, as an assistant? As a volunteer. Volunteer. had a couple other jobs at the same time. Okay, multitasking. And then USF for a year? USF as a grad assistant with Bill and Mary. I was going to ask who, uh, I see Mary a lot because she beats us every year when she's coaching university. Um, and I'm at San Domenico. She's an amazing coach. Um, so very cool. And then uh, Karen got her own head coaching gig. She went back to Santa Clara and was the head coach at Santa Clara for the women from 1988 to 2000. So a great run. She won 221 games. She went to four NCAA tournaments. She won a women's NIT title. Uh, you won six West Coast Conference regular season titles and two WCC tournament titles. So just an amazing run at Santa Clara, which is awesome. She also, uh, I want to talk about this, Karen, was on the selection committee for the 1996 women's U.S. Olympic team. A historic team, amazing team. There's a great ESPN documentary about that team called Dream On that I recommend everybody watch. Uh, Karen then went to Cal Berkeley for five seasons as head coach from 2000 to 2005. So she had some, some Pac-10 experience back when the Pac-10 existed. Um, and then, uh, so about a 20-year run coaching, Karen, right? And then you left coaching and you've been involved in basketball ever since. You have a thriving real estate business. You're a mom, you're, uh, you have a family. Um, but she's been a prominent figure in Marin Hoops really her whole life. She runs the Horstmeyer basketball camps for girls in the summers at Redwood. They're fantastic camps. She's a frequent speaker and guest coach for youth and high school programs. She's a mentor to players. She's just, um, she's a legend. So we're very honored to have her. We're grateful to have her as a sponsor to this podcast, which is awesome. She was one of our first listeners. She texted me right away, said, I love this. I want to be a part of it. Um, all right, this is a mouthful. She's a member of the West Coast Conference Hall of Fame, the Santa Clara University Hall of Fame, the Redwood Hall of Fame, and the Marin Athletic Foundation Hall of Fame. And very cool, just last weekend, her sister, Christine, was also inducted into the Marin Athletic Foundation Hall of Fame. So very cool. Duffy. I'm going to go out and put it out there that by sponsoring this podcast, you have gone from legend to icon. <laughs> well, I love it. Approved. <laughs> approved. And then the last thing I'll say, and then I'm tired of hearing me talk, I want to hear Karen talk, is um, Karen is married with two kids and her daughter Kylie, um, phenomenal player at Redwood and is just like her mom playing Division One basketball at University of San Diego. Um, I loved taking my daughter Lucy, who's now a freshman at Redwood, when she was younger and our team, we would go watch Kylie play at Redwood when she was playing for Diane. Um, my, uh, Kylie's a god to my daughter. Um, and a great kid. She worked out with my daughter a couple times, and um, it's fun to watch Kylie thrive at the D1 level. So Karen has this unique perspective as she played D1, she coached D1, and now she's a parent of a D1 player. So uh, I want to talk about all that. Um, all right, Karen, let's, let's hear from you. So I read an article on you, and it shocked me that when you went, went to Redwood as a freshman in 1976, you hadn't really played basketball. Is that, is that true? Uh, that really is true. Um, 
I had a friend say when I got to Redwood, hey, why don't you go out for basketball? But I had a passion for tennis, and I was going to be a tennis player at UCLA. Okay. That was my goal. My uncle, aunt and uncle, my uncle was a professor at UCLA, and my aunt and uncle uh, got me into tennis, and that was my passion. So did you play at Redwood? Did you play basketball and tennis at Redwood? I played four years of tennis at Redwood. Okay. But then I had a friend that said, you know, come on, let's go out for basketball. And I said, well, you know, I really haven't played. And we went out and I made varsity. Uh, grateful to that coach that put me on varsity because I was scared to death to shoot the ball. Yeah. But I could rebound and I was aggressive. And so I guess she saw a place for that. And my friend also made the team. And the two, as two freshmen, we made the team. And at that moment, I developed a passion for basketball yeah. and tennis went on the back burner. So at that time, I mean, I'm interested in the kind of the, the girls, the women's hoops landscape in Marin in the 70s, because we talked to Jeff Skaggs, who's a, who's a great guy who played at MC in the 70s. And he's like a big, he has had daughters, he's a big proponent of women's basketball. And I asked him, what was, what was the girls game like in the 70s? And he said, you know, honestly, it wasn't that big a thing. Like he wasn't that aware of it. And I asked you the same question. You said, it, that's true. So in the 70s, when you start to play and now you start to get good, what's the league like? Are, do people come to your games? When were your games? Like, I'm just curious about. Well, yeah, you know, I'm old, right? So that's a long time ago <laughs> to remember, but um, it wasn't even really up and coming at that point, right? Yeah. It was just parents and maybe some friends and every now and then it was a friend's student. Okay. Um, when did we play? Anytime between probably five and six and yeah. it was opposite the boys. Okay. So there were never double headers. There was never anything like that. It was Got its it. own kind of entity. And that, yeah. And it was just so different. Yeah. But you, um, you were really good, right? So at what point did you get really good? So you said your freshman year, you're kind of a, you're a rebounder. You're doing the little things. At what point do you realize, hey, I can, I can, I can score? Well, I scored 33 points, I think it was, my freshman year. And I'd be under the basket, get the rebound. I'd turn around, scared to death, and throw the ball out. Okay. And I was new to basketball. So um, I worked my butt off. It became my passion. I only played tennis on the tennis team and once in the summer. Okay. And I ended up playing doubles for four years. Yeah. And so when basketball became my passion, I just practiced, practiced, practiced. My father was into it. He'd take me to the playgrounds in the city. Okay. Uh, we'd play in the playgrounds in the city. We'd play with my brother. Um, my sister was six and a half years younger, so that didn't necessarily play in. Yeah. Um, and I worked hard enough to become the leading scorer sophomore year on. Very cool. And did you have, so you, you said your dad helped you. Did you have other coaches who were instrumental for you, or was it kind of you just doing it yourself? That early, it was me doing it myself and my father always saying, and we, he told, you got to play one-on-one, you got to play one-on-one, you got to fake, fake, fake before you do anything. Yeah. And um, the other thing that I would say, and when you ask me about for younger kids, my footwork was naturally good because of tennis. Tennis, yeah. And I credit tennis because I always had great footwork, and I think that's where all your skills start. And I had that from tennis. So, yeah. you know, I would say that. Then my father, um, you know, he, he never said no if I, because I wanted to go out all the time, and he, you know, would go out with me. But yeah. there was um, one other coach in particular that was, uh, you know, maybe game changing is Pete Hayward oh, uh, at Drake. And Pete Hayward was a men's coach. However, he embraced me probably from junior year on. Huh. He embraced me to come over and play with the guys. 
So he let me, and no women, trust me, no women were playing with the guys in that era, okay? But he yeah. he let me play with the guys. I used to work his camps sure. while I was still in high school. Pirate and camps. Pirate camps, outstanding camps, still are. Yep. And um, he taught me many things. One thing in particular was a jump hook that at 5'7", right? Yeah. A rebounder at 5'7", I could score with a jump hook over people because, and he taught me that, among other things of letting me play with the guys. So he was very impactful. Literally my next question was, did you did you play with the guys? Because I, I mean, we hear it a lot, like it's, it's great for really high level women's players. It's just a different game, right? It's a little bit different. And that's why, I mean, I practice with the women's team. On my way over here, I was just looking at online Dawn Staley Hat was there was a little video about the she calls them the highlighters. It's a group of guys who wear these bright yellow shirts at, at South Carolina that play against the team, and Love it's it, it's great. So that's really cool. And and Pete, um, you know, we, we keep coming back to Pete Hayward, right? He was a true, um, just an innovator and had such a big impact on basketball in this county. And it's really cool to hear that he he brought you along too. It was really a big part of my success. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so. Um, who were the best teams in the MCAL in the late 70s when you were playing? So my freshman, sophomore year was Drake and MC. Okay. Uh, players like Lori Saya Odizio. Yep. Uh, Petra McAvoy, Eileen Burr. My junior, senior year, it was Redwood, uh, Novato, and San Rafael. Okay. And with the likes of Sue Quarter, Sue Farmer, Sue Bacon from Novato, yep. and then Maureen McGrath. You probably hear some of these names. Yep. She was and, a coach at San Rafael later. Uh, yeah, and then um, Nancy Camara Clary, who is an official, uh, and you know, an MCAL yeah. official, and further as an official. Awesome. Did were there any other Division One players uh, along with you? Like, did any of those people go play D one? There were. Yeah. Um, not many, but there were. Sue yeah. Porter played at USF. Okay. Sue Farmer uh, played at Cal Poly. There were a number of players I know played at the junior college. Um, Petra McAvoy, Eileen Burke. Um, yeah. Yeah, Lori Sy ended up playing track, but she was very, a very good basketball player. So in our, in our Mike Sy, Ashley Sy interview, Mike was saying that, uh, I was asking him about playing one-on-one with his brother Jimmy. He's like, <laughs> no, the, the, the one-on-one games were with my sister. And he said, uh, it was a great line where he said, uh, this usually ended in tears and it wasn't always me, Mike, <laughs> uh, it, w- it wasn't always my sister crying. Um, okay, so talk about your recruiting journey. How did you end up at, uh, at Santa Clara? Well, um, you know, I think sometimes everything is a little bit of luck. So um, to be honest, I was probably the fifth out of fifth. They had five people they interviewed. I knew I was not getting the job. I mean, I was young. I played yeah. there, you know, but didn't have tons of experience and um, went down there, interviewed, and I don't know what exactly happened, but I ended up getting offered the job. And I think uh, Bill Nepfel helped a lot as well with that. I was working with him and he you know, made some calls down there. Uh, so I say there's definitely a little luck sometimes and yeah. you know what happens. Yeah, that's awesome. So how about when you were, when you were playing at Santa Clara, like when you, when you show up as a freshman, you're really good at Redwood. You're kicking butt in the MCAL. Are you really good as a freshman at Santa Clara? Or are you? do you get there and you're overwhelmed? Like, whoa, these people are really good. What, what was that like for you? No, I wasn't overwhelmed at all um, because originally, actually, I was going to UCLA as a walk-on. And I didn't end up going to Santa Clara until July. 
Okay. And I had a dorm, I had everything at UCLA and I was gonna play there. And in those days, nothing scared me. I did not have any fear. Yeah. And I was confident enough that I could make the UCLA team. And then I get to Santa Clara, um, you know, I was confident enough I didn't actually start my first year. Um, and now in hindsight, I realize I probably turned the ball over more than a coach would want as yeah. a freshman. Right. But, and I, I say this to the young players out there, if you work really hard, you are really aggressive, you get after it, you will find a way to play. Yeah. And I found a way to play. Yeah. That's awesome. What was your coach like at Santa Clara? Uh, you know, great guy, great coach. Um, in those days, we were actually not the West Coast Conference. We were actually in the NORPAC. Okay. So it was USF Santa Clara, it was Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. Okay, so oh, it was the NORPAC when I played for four years. Okay. Um, so my coach was actually very calm, uh, always willing to be there and work with you, and if you wanted to play one-on-one -on -one or you wanted, and, and he was a good player, he played at Cal. Um, so he was always there for you, and, and one thing now, you know, having been through everything, not just coaching, but having a daughter and coaching, yeah. I realized I never got yelled at. And that allowed me to just play. Hmm. But it took me to be out of coaching to understand that. Yeah. And um, that's the kind of coach he was. Interesting. So l now let's jump back to, you, you were starting to talk about when you got the job at Santa Clara, what kind of a coach were you? Well, I definitely was um, intense, yeah. and I would say very, um, I would say I was hard on them, hard on the players, right? Okay. From a mental toughness standpoint, because to become a champion, right, you had yeah. to really be mentally tough. Never demeaning, never anything like that. Did I yell yes? Yeah. I never yelled usually at specific players, but as the team to try and motivate them sure. uh, as well or get them fired up, and so I was a little feisty. So you were a head coach at the Division One level for 17 years. Did that change over that time? Like, is the Karen in 1988 different than the Karen in 2004 as a coach? I definitely think so, because when I first got the job at Santa Clara, I was only 25. Wow, that's young. The players are 21 and 22, exactly. right? Exactly, So yeah. I think, ultimately, I had to make sure to keep the distance yeah. between coach-player, right. that relationship, right? So I was probably a little harder earlier and um, trying to turn a program around, Yeah. right? So I think I maybe changed over time. If I was to go back now, after being out of coaching, I would be a much better coach, Yeah. right? And I think a lot of people would probably say that, but you take that step back, you watch a lot of other people, not when you're in it and so intense, Yeah. And uh, I would be a much better coach now. Yeah. Well, we all, you learn from experience, right? I mean, that's I, amazing how I, young you were coaching college kids. We were just talking to Chad Stewart, who got the San Marin job when he was in his early 20s. But that's high school kids. Oh, wow. that's, right. still, that's still young. But coaching right. college kids, I mean, they're literally your age, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's... The good thing was I didn't know what I didn't know. Sure. And let me tell you what, that's the best thing that can happen. Oh, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. I, I live my life that way. Um, so um, when you're at Santa Clara, 
you start off, you're rebuilding this program. I mean, you had great success there. You went over 200 games over your career. Um, you know, how did you, how did you build that program up? Was it recruiting? Was it your style of play? Like, what do you attribute the success to? Uh, a lot of different things. I think number one, surround your people, surround yourself with people that are really good. Okay. And so, um, you know, one of my assistant coaches was Charlie Turner Thorne. Oh, nice. Um, who was yeah. for many years at Arizona State. Sure. Um, and so she was my assistant for three years. And Great she's coach. outstanding, came from Washington. Yeah. Um, and, and so over the years, just had many good assistants, right? Um, you know, Chris Denker, Jennifer Young, a number of very good assistants. And so that was number one. Yeah. Number two, if you don't get the players, good players make you a good coach. Of course. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that number one player that helped turn us around was Melissa King, of course, who played at Terra Linda High School. Marin County, phenomenal, phenomenal soccer player, phenomenal basketball player. Um, and so when I got there, she had decided she wanted to leave Fresno State. She knew I was from Marin, okay. And so ultimately, she ended up transferring. In those days, you had to sit out a year, so she played soccer in that year in between. And that was the first year soccer went to the Final Four. We're the first year. We go from 9 and 19 to 28 and 3 the year she comes in and plays. Wow. Okay, so Melissa was, um, I mean, impactful. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, another friend of ours and a person we interviewed, Michelle Brevelli. Oh, yes. Uh, who we love. love. Michelle's awesome. So she was... University of San Diego. USD. Now. Yeah, I, I assume you were trying to get her, too, at some point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wanted Michelle. Michelle was awesome. So, yeah, that's, I mean, so how... What was recruiting like for you as a coach? Was it, was it hard? I mean, you're a very personable, outgoing person. I would think that recruiting would come naturally to you, but some coaches love it, some coaches absolutely hate it. Right? I started out loving it, and as time went on, I really did not love it. It's a grind, and right? It's a grind, and yeah. you know, sometimes you don't know why players make the decisions they make, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, one thing I always made sure to do when I was recruiting was if somebody chose a different school, I never ripped them. Hey, congratulations, great. Because One, happy for them, but you might get them back. You never so know. If we're a WCC school, so when yeah. I started coaching, we were in the WCC. Yeah. When I played, we were in the NARPAC. So coaching WCC, you know, I had a player go to Clemson. Hmm. And okay, but she went to the South. She was from, and I just thought we might get her back. Sure enough, we got her back, and that was another time NC2As. So these transfers yeah. back then even made a huge difference in the program. Yeah. And, and actually, one of the first players was Julie Leonard that I had recruited hmm. um, out of the junior college at Santa Clara. It was my first year. And she um, was definitely a big part of our winning the NIT. I mean, even today, even more so today, right, with the transfer portal yeah. and the fluidity of players that's even more important, right? I mean, we're dealing with this with, obviously, you know, Carly um, on our team has been recruited by a bunch of people. She just committed to Stanford, but we were talking about how it's, it's so hard to tell these schools no, right? but, you know, the way you handle that, you handle it professionally, and the way the coaches respond is really important because you never know, right? It's a, it's a small world Congratulations, happy for you. Let me know what we can do for you in the future, right? Yeah, definitely, and, and, and they're only 17. Exactly, Yeah. exactly. But the way kids are moving these days, you know, they have one year where they don't like a school and they transfer, I don't, I don't really like that, but right. um, it's a reality of, of recruiting these days. Yeah. Ashley Saya gave us a, a really good point. She was saying that um, 
an answer is good. Like as a coach, it's being strung along and not knowing that's what kills you. So that's true. a no, sure it sucks, but you said a no is so much better than a, a non-answer. A no early is better than no answer late. Uh, ex- yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can move on. You know, there's a lot of players out there. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. That's right. so. um, Dave, I'd like to just bring it back to yeah. one thing you said because, um, oh, players leave because they don't like it. Okay, but that's not the way it is anymore, unfortunately. I mean, fortunately, yeah. unfortunately, in the old days, it might have been they were leaving because they had to sit out a year. They were leaving because it wasn't a right fit, you know, whatever reasons. Now, you have NIL money. Right. They're leaving for the NIL money. It's a business decision. It is a business decision. They're leaving for the NIL money. Um, they're, you know, leaving because, oh, they want a national championship now, and I have a better chance there. Yeah. I, I did really well here. They could love the coach. They could love the program. But if they think over here they have a better chance of winning a national championship, they'll go. And if they don't have to sit out a year, there's no, you know, Totally. No repercussions. Totally. Right? So yeah. it's a lot more than that now, which all of these things, I really feel sorry for the high school kids today. Yeah. Because with the transfer portal, they're looking at, they're going shopping in the portal. They're bringing foreign kids over. You've got many teams that have nine and 10 kids. That means less spots for the high school kids. And, and I do not think that's right. So we were talking to uh, Tyler Gaffney. It's weird. Like, we've done so many of these interview stuff. We have so many. So many things to pull from, these different interviews. It's great. Um, but Tyler, great guy, coach at San Domenico, played at Branson, mm-hmm. and was a Division Three All-American at, at Claremont as nice. a player. Great player. But we were talking about playing Division Three, mm-hmm. and he was saying that even when he played, this whole you know Division One or bust thing is not, he doesn't like that attitude, right? He said, look, if you play, if you play Division One, great. But there's really good basketball, Division Two, Division Three, and he said even now more than ever, because of exactly what you're talking about. Right. Because of NIL, transfer portal, broader reach of these schools, there's so much fluidity that now the Division One spots are really hard to come by. You just have really good players that maybe previously would go Division One who are now filtering down to Division Two, II, Division Three. That's right. Tim Lacos has a, a player, Haley Hoff, who was at Pepperdine last year. She transferred to play for him. Oh. You know, so you have D1 players transferring down to D2. Because she's gonna, she loves Tim, and she's gonna get. They're a fun team to play for. It's gonna be great. So, it's re, it's really interesting what you're talking about. What it's, I think the result is, you see a, a lot more competition at the D two and D three level and NAIA levels. Definitely, which is gonna be outstanding, really. Which is great. It is. Yeah. Okay. What was your coaching philosophy when you were coaching? Were you guys a full court press, defense first kind of a team? Uh, what was your offensive philosophy? Just let's, let's get into the, the locker room of Karen's mm-hmm. teams. So we were a pressure defensive team and really focused on our defense and we were gonna be good defensively. And we were good defensively. And one year we were number one in the nation in field goal percentage defense. So, you know, that was great. Yeah. Um, it's funny because now I think I would be a little more offensive oriented because it's more fun. And, yeah. you know, some kids might not be great defensively, right? And, you know, yeah. now you've got the, the Steph Currys and, you know, all the people they see. And Caitlin Clark. And Caitlin Clark. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. My, one, my favorite. I mean, everybody's favorite player, right? Amazing. Or Paige yeah. Bookers or, yeah. you know, whoever. But, um, you know, now, I, so I might change that a little bit. We had success because of our defense and our defense led to our offense. Um, yeah. You know, offensively, I did change depending on personnel. Sure. Um, we had one offense I loved. Um, 
when Charlie left and she ended up went to Northern Arizona and then to Arizona State, I hired a guy named Chris Denker. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of studied an offense that we called box and it was really good and, and our field goal percentage went way up. Sometimes when you're a great uh, pressuring defensive team, you get so moving so fast and so hyper on defense that you don't slow down on offense and it's really hard to get right. you to have composure on offense. Right. This offense in particular really helped us. <laughs> Duffy has an item. Oh, he does. Like to, um, Know more about the box. I was going to say, can you can you draw it up for us, oh, Karen? Oh, I sure can. <laughs> you got a nice white wall uh, over here. Yeah. I, let, me, let me grab a yeah. pencil. Karen would love us to just draw all over her office here. Um, I love that offense, and nobody. Every now and then, I'll see it. Um, but there's, and actually, this is kind of interesting. You guys might like. We called our back doors. So huh. I always had the philosophy: you need to read, you know, read the yeah. defense, yeah. read and react. And you know, Chris would say, "Hey, let's let's call." Them. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure, you know. And, and we started calling them, and I am telling you, turnovers went down. Um, and so you call them from the bench? Call them from the bench. Would they know when not to throw it? Would they know when it was covered? I guess with enough practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing was, no matter what, they have to go back door. They got to cut. No, no matter what, right. you got, I mean, just like any time yeah. you make a back door, right? You got you to go, go, right, you gotta go. right. Yeah. So we talk a lot on this podcast about the difference in styles today versus you know when Duffy and I were playing when you were playing when you were coaching yeah um, the modern game is free-flowing five out dribble drive um, so it's interesting you talk about how maybe your, your philosophy would be different now versus then I mean what would you as a player today what, what was your game so let's go back to you as a player you could score a lot do you think you'd score even more in today's game or no not necessarily first of all we played with the men's ball. I want to date myself. Okay, we played with the oh. men's ball, and we did not have a three-point line. Okay. Okay. So that's a big change, right? Now, I, I was kind of against the women's ball, but I changed very quickly because of passing and the quick passes, and yeah. you know, a lot of different things and shooting range and that type of thing. So where would but you get your points, Karen? Were you a mid-range? Were you in the post? What, what was your What was your game? Any which way, and not a three-point shooter. Okay, so as a scorer. Okay. I like to work off screens. Yep. My biggest thing was driving to the basket. Um, okay. You know, I could draw fouls. Kind of a bull in a china cabinet. Not pretty. Jump hook. Pretty. Jump hook. Jump hook. Jump there hook. You go. Thank you, Pete right. Hayward. That's right. right. There you go. Uh, yeah, not pretty. Not pretty. Kind of a yeah, bull in a china cabinet. I like it. Yeah, like but it. today, if you see so much dribble drive, I'm not a fan of that. I yeah. prefer screens. Yeah. I prefer seeing screens. I think the offenses are better with screens. Whether you have a post player or you don't, but the dribble drive. And my teams at Santa Clara were always three-point shooters. Hmm. We always had three-point shooters, and I love three-point shooters, but I don't yeah. like dribble drive. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. So um, we're jumping back to your coaching now. All right, so you leave Santa Clara, you go to Cal. What was that like, going to the Pac-10? Absolutely awesome. Awesome. It was a hard five years. Yeah. And, you know, I can tell you more about that. But um, it, first of all, I didn't think I would ever leave Santa Clara. Yeah. It was an amazing place. It's an amazing school. Um, it was successful, yeah. you know, all of that. So I really, and I, I kind of said no a couple times to Cal. And they're like, come on, you know, let's go to dinner. Okay. And I was eight months pregnant at the time. So. You know, my husband was like, hey, you can't do that. I know how hard you had to work when, you know, you were building a program at Santa Clara. Sure. And then over time, 
I don't know, we got a little more into it, and I ended up taking the job, you know, and he supported that. He said, okay, makes sense. We're from Marin. We can live in Marin. Parents here to take care of the baby. Yeah. Right? So I accepted the job, and it was probably one of the best decisions I could make. Awesome. And it was an amazing experience. So, um, you know, a tough five years. I had two kids in three years. Wow. I had a player die in my fourth year. Yeah. We were getting votes in the top 20 at that time. Yeah. And then we ended up losing eight in a row. And then, um, you know, I had four athletic directors in five years. So it was just, but all of that, it, the experience. I mean, yeah. being in the playing in the Pac-10, the media, the excitement, the f fans in the stands, the going to other places and having ten thousand people in yeah. the stands was awesome. Did you guys ever beat Tara? When I was at Santa Clara, we beat Tara. When we were at Cal, I did not. All right. Yeah, and I think she is, you know, if not the best coach in the nation, one of the best coaches in the nation. Don't can't disagree with you, Karen. Um, yeah, she's she's amazing. So at, at Cal, I mean, what did you notice about the difference in Pac-10 versus WCC? Did you notice, so when you're recruiting, are, is the caliber of player that you're recruiting substantially higher at Cal versus Santa Clara, or, or was it not that big a change? So, I mean, I had a number of players that could have played in the Pac-12, right? Yeah. Um, and various schools in the WCC did. Yeah. You have more of the top players in the Pac-12 yeah. And even some say at that higher level. But you know, Melissa King was a regional All-American and had we beat Cal that particular year, which we did later in the first round of the NC2As, yeah. but it wasn't you know that year, she probably would have been an All-American. Hmm. In my opinion, I'm pretty confident she would have been an All-American, but yeah. that year we didn't beat Cal. But um, so I think in general, the level of competition in the Pac-12 is considerably higher. Yeah. Well, you, and I remember when you left Cal, you had an amazing recruiting class, right? Like, I mean, you you brought in some really good players at, at Cal. Local players. Local players that yeah. were, that Tara was trying to get, I mean, that everybody was trying to get, and you got them. So, so talk about that. We started recruiting them in eighth grade. So when I got there, yeah. and we were trying to figure out, okay, who we're gonna recruit, what's going on, we heard about these kids. Yeah. and they were in our backyard, and we needed to make sure we got them. And um, they ended up uh, deciding, you know, Cal was the place for them, yeah. and we were ecstatic, and a lot of them were friends, and we got a verbal commitment from one of the players that maybe wasn't as strong as the other players. We got that verbal commitment like four months before the rest of them, and we took it, Huh. okay? Yeah. And then, you build on that. We, we built on that. Yeah. And then the others came. Yeah. The two we didn't get were the Paris twins. Oh. And we really wanted them. Their brother um, yeah. ended up transferring out of Cal, and their father was from, a, I think it was a Big Ten school, Big Ten or Big Twelve. And but Bubba played for the Bubba. 49ers. And then, yeah, so Bubba was, yeah. you know, their dad really wanted them to go to Big Ten. And they went to Oklahoma. And they did. Went, ended up in Oklahoma. We were talking about them with Ashley Saya because we'll get to this for crunch time for you, but... We were asking, uh, toughest player you've ever played against, and Ashley Saya said, <laughs> yeah. the Paris Twins. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a high difference. You know <laughs> and her dad pointed out, I didn't get the chance to comment on it, her dad pointed out that Ashley took a charge against them, uh, against one of them. Did she really? Yeah, Ashley's tough. <laughs> uh, she is. Yeah. I remember Ashley, and I just loved her. I loved her as a player. Uh, I've known Mike for years. He was one of the ones playing in the gym. You know, when I'm I sure. Played. You were contemporaries. Yeah, I, yeah. I, so we've I known each other them. a long time. 
And I always loved Ashley. Such a good coach. And love her as a coach. So, yeah, oh, just yeah. I love watching. Just like I, I love taking my daughter and her team to watch Kylie play. Mm-hmm. When Kylie left to go to San Diego, the last two years I've taken my team, my CYO team that I coached, to go watch Marine Catholic girls oh, play. Yeah, awesome. And I just I, I point out to them how hard they play, how they play on the defensive end. They switch from I'm a man to man, or as Tar would say, yeah. player to player coach. But I love how Ashley incorporates the one-three-one trap every now and then, mm-hmm. and she mixes it up, and she just gets them. They're all bought in. I think Ashley's a fantastic coach, and Mike as well. Well, they're committed. So. They're committed also, and that's hard in high school. I mean, you know, it's all volunteer basically. Totally. So let's let's talk about 1996 um, and your Olympic selection. Mm-hmm. You're on the committee. Talk about that. What was your role? How did you get selected to do that? I mean, what what a cool honor. Well, it was a four-year stint. And I think because of the success we had at Santa Clara and they were looking for more of a diverse committee, right? Not just, uh, you know, top five schools, top 10 schools, yeah. um, smaller schools. And so, I, you know, I think that's how I ended up getting chosen. But it was a great, great experience, you know, headed out to Colorado Springs a couple times a year, watch those players play. I mean, the best of the best and was able to coach an East Festival team, which are the younger teams, and, and it was outstanding. So Great. Um, the experience of being on the committee with um, you know some of the top coaches was outstanding. There were also D2 coaches and maybe D3 coach, yeah. I don't remember, but yeah. Was a good group, and then the committee would then work with Tara, right. who's amazing. Right, and Tara coached that team, and Listeners, this was a really important moment in women's basketball history because this was a time where the thought of a, having a pro league was percolating and the NBA was considering funding a league, but they wanted to see basically, and this is the point of the documentary that I recommend everybody watch called Dream On on ESPN, the, the NBA wanted to see, okay, how does this Olympic team do? If we, if we really put our best out there, kind of like the dream team in 92 for the men, if we have the best women's team on the world stage, will people care? And the answer is a resounding yes. The team was fantastic. Tara did a great job getting them a gold medal. They had great personalities. They had a great mix of players. And that led to the creation of the WNBA. Mm-hmm. And here we are now, almost 30 years later, the WNBA is doing great. And now women have the chance to play pro basketball in the US where they didn't back in, in, in your day, Karen, when you were playing. That's right. You were a great player, you had to go to Greece to play pro right. basketball, right? right? So that was a really important kind of seminal moment for women's basketball. There was a league called the ABA, and but it only lasted like a couple of years. I remember it. I, a few of my Stanford teammates played on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it just it never never really caught on, no, which no, is too bad. Yeah. And one of the best things was that particular year, the Olympics were in Atlanta. And right. And so that was huge. You know, they do this year program, Tara's you know, the head coach, and take the gold in Atlanta. So that was uh, huge. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Okay, so let's, uh, let's fast forward now to, so your, your coaching career is done, or your D1 coaching career is done, and now <laughs> you're a mom, you're a professional, you're working in real estate, and you have this daughter who's an unbelievable basketball player, and she's playing youth basketball, and you can tell Kylie, when she was young, right? She was playing against the boys, right? She was. A year up. Year up. So playing, she's a sixth grader. She's playing against seventh grade boys in CYO. And she's really, really good. She goes to Redwood. 
she's all league. She's an amazing player. You could see, I mean, you walk, you walk into the gym and you see, okay, that kid's different. And Kylie was just different. So talk about her recruiting journey. And for you as a mom, but you've been through this as a coach, you've been through this as your, yourself as a player. So what <laughs> yeah. was that like as a mom going through this recruiting journey again? Um, well, first of all, I didn't care what sport she played. And she probably could have played college soccer at some point. But um, so I really didn't care, so I didn't push her. And I saw enough parents push their kids that they either had a bad experience, they transferred, you know, whatever. So I was hoping that I would learn from that, right, and not be that kind of parent. So um, it was absolutely exciting. Um, and Kylie wanted to make sure it was her. Not that my connections had anything to do with her, you know, getting a scholarship, which when a coach's job is on the line, right, because of wins and losses, in the end, it wouldn't matter. You're only going to recruit somebody because you think they're going to make you better, right? But, you know, your daughter might not understand that. Right. So she, um, of course, wanted me involved, and I was involved, but I never, ever really stepped in unless she wanted me to talk to the coaches okay. uh, or the coaches wanted to talk to me. Yeah. And so she really did a great job just handling that herself. So what were her, what were her top choices aside from USD? Um, she, Santa Clara. So probably, <laughs> um, she was kind of excited about the legacy there. Yeah. And about two weeks before she committed to San Diego, she was going to Santa Clara. Oh, and then she changed um, because I think, you know, one, I think she loves San Diego. I love San Diego. I love visiting San Diego. Yeah. Um, but so she just kind of flip-flopped for, you know, whatever reason. And I think, you know, maybe part of that was people, a few people saying, hey, you want to go build your own name. You want to go build your own legacy. You don't want to, hmm. um, you know, be in the shadow of, you know, your mom's legacy. Right. And, and that might have helped you know, sway her a little bit. Yeah. Duff. Now I want to jump back and ask, oh, okay. uh, as she is developing as a player, what was your role? Did you play a lot of one-on-one? -on -one? Did you help her with drills? Were you hands-off? When did she become like a self-starter, if she was one? Right, she was always a self-starter. I used to, when she was younger, say, hey, yeah, you want to go out? And then I learned, right? No, she'll ask me. And she asked me all the time. So I rebounded for her. Of course, I was coaching her along certain things. Um, but basically was her rebounder when she asked me. And that's, I only go now if she asks me. And did you play one-on-one -on -one for a period of time? Did she uh, well, you? I would love to. First of all, she was just a lot better than I ever was. I mean, and, and that's how the game has evolved, right? right? Yeah. I mean, I never lifted. I never, you know, <laughs> yeah. trained the way they train now. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> to tell you the truth, because of my knees, I can't even play one-on-one. -on -one. And it would just be like Olay with the, you know, the red, <laughs> the red flag, and she'd go right. Duffy by doesn't it. understand. Well, I get it. That's what your foul. That your hands are for. You know, oh, that's right to grab her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, unfortunately, that wasn't. Um, I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked to, but. What was her? Uh, that's a good question, Duffy. So what? What were her, um, her skills trainers? Like, did she have people she worked out with? Uh, like, did she? You know, she have did. coaches who she liked to... As time, you know, kind of went on, uh, yeah. Stevie Johnson. Yeah. Uh, outstanding. Um, Love Stevie. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think who else she did work out with. A guy, Keith Lay, over in the East Bay. Okay. She was with Cal Stars, so she had a lot of uh, training with the Cal... I mean, not individual training necessarily, but just their practices in the Cal Stars. So 
yeah, we would drive over there like three times a week. So that was traffic. my that was my next oh, question for okay. you was AAU. So we talked about this with KK. Yeah. Love love yeah, KK. Great she player. she great. speaks very highly of you. Good friends with with Kylie obviously. So we talked about her Cal Stars experience. So so talk about your your perspective on Cal Stars and how that was for Kylie. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I took Kylie over to the Olympic Cup. We, we looked at a couple different programs. I just let her and and she loved their intensity. She loved the intensity with which they played at. She loved the skill with which they played at. She's yeah. like, Mom, this is where I want to play. I said, okay. And so, you know, we trek over there three times a week. Putting some miles on the car. <laughs> Putting some miles on the car, but hours, you know, getting there, right? Yeah. To, you know, Walnut Creek or wherever. But um, yeah. it was a great experience. And, um, you know, there were some, you know, tough times too. Uh, you know, at a critical time, Kylie ended up getting injured. Uh, mm. And she was on a great, great team. It was the 16s with really good players. She went through training camp and on Monday said, hey, mom, my foot's really hurting. I don't think I can walk on it. And she uh -huh. had a stress fracture in her metatarsals and that knocked her out of that. It was a uh, Nike sponsored team. It was a really good team. So, yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, things happen for reasons and, you know, you go with it and you go with the flow. So she wasn't able to play that summer, which was... I'm sorry, I think that was her sophomore summer. That was her sophomore summer because you had junior summer and then, you know, COVID. COVID, right? Yeah. Of course. And she, if I remember correctly, Karen, she accelerated her graduation at Redwood to get down to USD quicker, right? She did. She did. Yeah. So she had had, she had had about maybe 15 offers and, you know, loved a number of different schools and a couple yeah. of them didn't offer, right? And, and you know, so... Uh, when you had asked me about, oh, you know, who was recruiting her, right? Yeah. And then those kind of were the two she had narrowed it down to and, and then decided. But then she has had so many wonderful opportunities at San Diego. And so they called her in. So we're in COVID. She doesn't know whether she's going to have a season or not. Yeah. Right? And um, San Diego calls and says, hey, would you want to graduate early and come down here? And that was like the end of December. It was like maybe December, mid-December. I remember. It yeah. was like mid-December. Yeah. And so uh, she says, hey, Mom, San Diego asked me if, they want, if I want to come down early, but I don't know if they were serious. <laughs> I said, well, if I get a call tomorrow morning, they're serious. And guess what? Got a call tomorrow morning, <laughs> the next morning. And they said, hey, we'd really like her to do it. Kylie had one class she had to take, which was an econ class. She was able to take it online. Somehow she did it in a week. The guy uh, was a... Um, he was from San Diego, the teacher, yeah, and was like a football coach. So it was really cool, and she did really well in the class. Yeah, and I was kind of like, well, we better make sure all the ducks fall in line because if she graduates from Redwood, yeah, and the ducks don't fall in line for USD because you know we're talking this is later than mid December. Yeah, we've got to get a hold of Redwood. If this doesn't work out, she's going to lose her senior season. Right. Right, so there was a little faith there. Wow. Anyway, it all worked out, and she got seven games, and it was pretty cool for her, and it let her get a head start on her college experience. So I remember this because, and the, and I'm telling this story only because it it demonstrates the work ethic of Kylie. Um, that was a, this was a time where she would work out with my daughter every now and then, right. and some of the kids who I coached. Yeah, she and loved I, it. And she I texted loved her. It. Yeah, and she was great at it. And I texted her, I remember this vividly over winter break, saying, hey, do you have time to work out with Lucy and some of wow. our players? And she said, would love to, need to finish a class so I can graduate in a week. That was at that time. That was at that time. Wow. And so then she explained to me, you know, I got a chance to go down here early and stuff. And I just thought, man, that's, 
you know, she plays hard on the court. She plays hard off the court. Like, I mean, she's just one of those really driven people. Opportunity, right? It was a yeah. great opportunity, whether she got in a game or didn't get in a game. Right. But, but how great for her to get a head start on her college experience right. like that. So that was really yeah, cool. Well, was so so uh, taking a step back, back to, to Cal Stars, I just want to close the loop on AAU because I'm interested in your perspective on AAU. We've talked about this a lot with, with people. It's good and bad. Um, it's a reality. It's, it's growing in popularity. Club basketball is a really big deal, mm-hmm. right? It's a great way for kids to get exposure. For you, um, sound like a positive thing for, for Kylie, at least in terms of she played with really good players. Sounds like she got good, really good coaching. Um, she got looks from a lot of schools. That's fantastic. Um, what's your thought on AAU basketball? <laughs> well, it's not going to go away. I think the coaches make a lot of money. Um, I think it, if I had a frustration first with it is that I really believe that players should be able to play as many sports as they can at younger ages. That's completely gone out the door yeah. because of AAU sports, yeah. right? Um, but from a college perspective, right, that's where you're going to go, and that's where a recruiter's going. We're going to go to the AAU games because you have the most talent on a team, and we're going to get to see as many kids as possible. So, um, you know, with that said, what I would tell the young players is you got to make sure it's right for you, and I would add that by saying, and make sure they put you in the correct position. Because yeah. when you are playing out of position, um, because you're the tallest, and yet... Yeah. So this did happen a little bit to Kylie, right? They're putting her at the four, but for college, she needs to be the two or three. Right. And, and she's not even that big, and she's six feet now. Um, she did end up playing for a different team that was playing her more as a guard okay. that last year. But... Um, I would say to any player, you got to make sure that they're going to play in the right position. So how does that conversation go? Because it seems like nowadays, like no one wants to play the four or five, even if they're <laughs> no. seven foot, even if they're Wendy, right? They still want to play. What's a one, four and what's a five? Yeah. I mean, everybody's so a guard. That's yeah. right. That's you just right. have to change the style so that everyone can pl- handle the ball, right? But those conversations seem like they're challenging when you have a lot of, like, everyone wants to handle the ball, and they all can handle the ball. Right. Well, well, it's, it, you know, talk, we just had Rick Winter on, who was a fantastic okay. conversation, and Rick has been very deliberate with NBBA coaches across the board, and I coach NBBA, he said, we're running five out, read and react wow. across the board for that reason, because it's universal, right? And so if, if, I've, if I'm coaching a kid from TAM and I'm coaching a kid from Terra Linda, whatever system they run, right. we're going to run five out so that they just know how to play, yeah. right? And it's... It's read, react, it's pass, screen away, pass and cut. Kind of universal, just not teaching them plays, teaching them how to play, yeah. right? So that's that's Rick's philosophy. And I think that's been a really good thing. I, I, I think 24-8 does the same thing. Um, so, you know, yeah. but it's a, it's, a good, it's a good point, Duff. So the only thing that I would say with that is, if a kid isn't gonna play in college, does it matter? No. Yeah. But if a kid has some potential to play in college, like Carly, yeah. Hamborn, Couple years ago, I said, Carly, don't let anybody put you in the post. You need to be a point guard. Yeah. You need to be a point guard at six, whatever, figuring she's gonna be six two. Yeah. Because that's how you're gonna get recruited at the top schools, right? So if somebody is a really good player yeah. and they're six one, six two, I'd say play a point guard. Because a point guard, once you play a point guard, you can play a one, two, or three. You can do it. 
And then, oh, is it okay if they post you up? Yes, it's okay if you go in and post up, but that's not gonna be your predominant position. Yeah. Carly, if you're listening, Dave's gonna play you as a decoy. That's right. Left no, corner or right corner. You're not touching the ball, Carly, ever. <laughs> She's kidding. committed. <laughs> she's committed. Uh-oh. I kind of forgot about that whole thing with Coach over here. But anyway, she's committed. So, you know, play her wherever you want. But yes, Carly, that was my advice. Carly, you're going to get plenty right? of shots, Carly, wherever yeah. you want. Um, okay, Karen. Yes. We've reached crunch time. Oh, God. Oh, yes. Here we go. Okay. Uh-oh. Oh, some iced coffee, Dave. I did bring iced coffee. Duffy and I have iced coffee. Karen is, is not having some iced coffee. She's too good for iced coffee. You're good, Dave. <laughs> uh, I'm good, buddy. Thank you. Okay, Karen, toughest player you've ever played against? Okay, so toughest player I ever played against. That is tough because, one, it was so long ago. <laughs> That's, <laughs> okay. That's fine. Uh, but I would say there were... Just, are you talking in college? Sure. Right? Most yeah. likely in college? Yeah. Anytime, though. Anytime. It could, Anytime. Be, it could be one of the guys at the, in the Drake gym. I don't know. It could be Duffy. You never played against Duffy. Okay, I'm, I'm going to answer you. it like this. <laughs> I, I have to say this because this was so unique, and I was like, I couldn't stop her. Yeah. And this was Pathead Summit, oh. who was a coach, but where I played with her was at a basketball camp when I was going to be a senior. And I'm defending her, and she hits a, a hook shot on me, right? And I'm like, yeah. you know, who is this? What the heck? You're not getting another one. So I take away that. I think she went to her right hand. Yeah. And the next time she comes right on down and scores on the left hand hook shot. Okay. And I have to say, I was like, whoa, who is this person? I didn't know until later, like days later, who it was. Who it was. And it was Pathead Summit, who was the Tennessee coach. And legend, legendary legend. coach. Yeah, yeah. But, um, that's a good answer. Yeah, I'll yeah. just leave it at that. Brian Wright, if you're listening, that's what we want to, where we want to get with you, right hand and then left hand. Okay, yeah. Archie, Archie Williams, stud. Um, okay, how about um, the toughest coach you cooched against, or who, who, who scared you like when you're, when you're facing this well, team? Well, I'd like, like oh, to boy. think that I didn't get scared by really anybody, yeah. but I would say the toughest coach, I think, is Tara, Tara Vanderveer, Stanford just because she prepares them so well? Because so they are so prepared. Yeah. They're so prepared, she knows exactly how to break down a defense, Yeah. and um, she also has very good players. And, that, and assistants. And assistants, that's right. And practice players. And practice players. <laughs> I tracked deflections. I was telling my San Domenico girls yesterday, I, my job on the bench during games was I tracked deflections. Oh yeah. And that was nice, Tara, like that. and Tara was was early so to that. Was big on that. This was way before. Didn't know that. This was 1995, kids. This was way before iPads, and I mean there were computers, but still. But I had a notepad, and I had the I wrote down the roster, and I had little lines, and I would track deflections. And at halftime, say, "All right, Dave, how are we doing? Who's winning the deflection game?" Yeah. And I, I better have that answer, or oh else. Oh my gosh! Yeah, she's she's amazing. Don't deflect that question, Dave. That's right. <laughs> oh, so clever, Duffy. Um, okay, favorite gym in Marin, Karen? Come on. Redwood by far. Okay. By far. No, no, yeah. no discussion. Definitive. No Definitive discussion. answer. Biggest gym, good shape, awesome. Is it the, has it changed a lot since you played there? No. But it's still the best gym. It's, it's big. It it's, really is. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. They have the, the playoffs there. Okay, you're heading down to play pickup. 
you have a dream team. Your your knees are fine. You can play. It's you and four people. Who who are you going with? Well, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't pick my Marin County team. First of all, I would pick Kylie Horsmeyer. That was to say your okay, daughter better so be on I'm that team. I'm picking my daughter. Okay. Okay. So I'm taking Kylie. Yep. I'm taking Melissa King. Great. Jennifer Lucas was an outstanding player here who won a state championship yep. in Nevada. So I'm taking her. Uh, let's see. So I said Christine, Melissa. Uh, Jen, Christine Chapellis. Your sister. Okay. How can I not? Brooke. Brooke Smith. Okay. I've got a couple. I mean, Carrie Barrett, who also played at Novato. Going to be a guest on this podcast. Cal. Is she good? Yes. Yeah. And uh, did I forget anybody on my team? You got a good squad. Is that a, yeah, I like that squad. Uh, oh, how can I forget? Kiki Williams. Kiki, love Outstanding Kiki. scorer from Terra Linda. Played for Fulton. Uh, we were yeah. just... Uh, I was just texting with Diane Peterson's going to be on. I want to oh, get Kiki good. on as well. Good. Kiki was Both a great player. Great. Played for Cal, right? Played for you at Cal. Four years. Yep. Love Kiki. I recruited her at Santa Clara, actually. Great, great player. Her husband, Matt Smallback, good friend of ours. Oh, um, nice. State room, Santa Fe, great yeah. restaurant. Not a sponsor, but will be soon. Um, okay. Greatest MCAL player and coach in history, and I want you to answer uh, boys and men and women. Greatest MCAL player and coach, and I want it from the boys and for the women. The boys and the girls. Well, first of all, I feel strongly about Pete Hayward. Okay, that's a good answer. As a boys coach. And the boys player, maybe Mike Sia, Eddie Joshevez. Okay. Eddie Joshevez. Lots of nepotism. Lots of nepotism in this country. I like it. (laughs) Eddie Joe... and, and my, I like the Mike Sia call. I, I said to Mike when I introduced him, I said, a lot of people say that you're one of the best ever. He's like, no, no, whatever. But Mike's so humble, but Mike can play. Well, you know, and I've got to say, I always liked, uh, uh, this is a, a, a newer kid, right? Yeah. Is uh, Calcaterra. Oh, Joey's amazing. I thought he was outstanding. I thought I would have liked to have seen him play even more at San Diego, but then to get to Connecticut and do what they did. And, and win the national was, title. Yeah, it was just awesome. And he got to play. And I just like him as a player a lot. Uh, that's a great yeah. answer. Okay, girls' side. Girls' side. Best coach? Yep. Probably Ron Wheatley. Novato. Novato. Yep. Novato and San Rafael. Right. Well, yeah. Okay, so we'll say that because of the, just over time history. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because... Uh, and then best player? You can say you. No. No. <laughs> no way. Brooke Smith and Melissa King. Okay. Brooke Smith, Melissa King, Jen Lucas. Good answers. Brooke Smith, only, as we've said, only McDonald's All-American in Marin right. history, boys That's or right. girls. That's right. Yep. And tough to defend. I mean, I had to play against her. She was a pain to play against. Yep. And went to Duke. Couldn't stop her. Went to Duke for a year and then transferred and played for Tara at Stanford and then played in the WNBA and won a WNBA title. I don't think I realized that. Yeah. yeah. She, Brooke could play, and a fabulous person, too. You're working on her bio for her appearance on the podcast. Well, I, I don't even need to work on it. I just know it because I. Well, that's right. she's amazing. Um, okay, Karen, very important question. Favorite restaurant in Marin? The Buckeye. Oh, good answer. That's a great one. Thank you. Love it. Love the Buckeye. Yeah. Good celebratory place. And then final one, Karen. Uh-oh. Are housing prices going up or down? Great question, right? We've had lots of good times for sellers, and now is there some opportunity for buyers? Spoken like a 
experienced real estate agent. And interest rates? Interest rates just bumped down a little bit. But, okay. you know, a little rocky road with the interest rates. Yep. But you know what? There's always people, they have to buy a home and they have to sell a home. And now's a great time to get in uh, because when those interest rates go down, there's going to be a frenzy of buyers out there. So now, you know, suck it up. It's a good time. Good time to buy a house, even at the interest rate, and uh, then refi down the road. Awesome. Give and, bit, and Bitcoin. Where's Bitcoin going? Oh, we're not, not <laughs> talking about that. Yeah, not for me to answer that <laughs> one. No idea. Uh, awesome. Well, Karen, it's been so fun to talk to you. Um, I, we jumped around just because I have so many questions for you, and you have such a broad experience as a player, as a coach, as a parent, as an Olympic selection committee. Amazing career. Thank you for all that you've done for Marin Basketball. Thank you for... Uh, supporting our, our podcast and being a fan and listener early on that gave us good confidence that, all right, if Karen Horsmeyer is listening, we, we must be doing something right. So really fun to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you both for having me and doing this for Marin County. I mean, this is the best thing, uh, one of the best things that could happen for Marin County. Uh, basketball, athletics, I, I think is fantastic. And we have so many wonderful coaches and players here. So Agreed. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, you. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Burke's on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK, from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every